Wing Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I have crossed the threshold of fear to heal and be healed. Today, we're talking about how proximity can heal loneliness. Barry's here to share his sermon from last week, and special guest Jen McBurney is going to join us to share her journey through isolation into redemption and community. But before we go to the priest to let them examine our leprosy, now that they've touched the untouchable and given public testimony of their cleanliness, let's welcome in our favorite co-host, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Hey, Tyler. Yes. How are hey, guys? you? And uh, special guest Jen is here. Yes. Hi, guys. Hi, Yay. Jen. Great to have you on the pod. You know what? It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Jen, uh, yeah. so some we've got a database where like grace congregants are in it we've got mm-hmm. this other tool where we schedule worship volunteers which you are one mm-hmm. and then you've got your know you know your social profiles oh i've yeah. seen jen and jenny oh this is a good question what is the what is the appropriate <laughs> jennifer name oh. jennifer what what do we call you jen is good jen's good it's yes. like the adult version, right? Yes. It's like I grew up and I graduated from Jenny, okay. but like you'll still hear people from like a former life calling me Jenny, Grace yeah. people included. That's like your dad. social <laughs> media yeah. is Jenny too, it, right? No, no. It's not. Social have gr- they've grown up with me. Now okay. It's <laughs> okay. All right. Good. All right. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for being here. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, over the weekend, I, I was hosting services and we obviously, if you had attended Grace services this past weekend, you saw Jen's video. And uh, so I texted you saying, hey, can you do this? And you yeah. were gracious enough to join. So thanks for being here. Said, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, I'm honored that you guys would let me come on your show. So thank you. Hey, anytime. We're looking All for right. a fourth host and Amy Christie's been a disappointment recently like i should explain to listeners who don't know but yeah they, right, they right. have an ongoing rivalry and it's a thing yeah guys what's new what's going on how, how, are, how are you guys doing we have a puppy sorry can i go first oh yeah Whoa. A puppy. Whoa. her name's cleo she's the cutest we adopted a little puppy this past weekend together we a little farm dog uh, what sound clip did you just do, Tyler? We can't hear the sound clips. Oh, I, did did the, I did the yay. Oh, okay. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we don't ever know what he's doing, so he just gets <laughs> yeah, a little grin on his face. It's just like, I'm sure something ang- happened. Anxiety, anxiety riddled between Sundays now. Because <laughs> yeah. you guys have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, we have no idea. Um, anyway, yeah. So we, we've been thinking, you know, how fun it would be to have a little farm dog to come out with us to, you know, feed the chickens and go out and do gardening and just someone like rabbits are incredible pets we love them to death they're not the most responsive like couch cuddlers and so we want that would want to neither are chickens so we thought let's get a let's get an animal that would want to cuddle with us and one will just be like cute and so so we bought we uh, adopted little cleo she was sh- she and her two siblings were surrendered to a shelter in southern indiana a couple weeks ago and she's about nine weeks old now and is just delightful and she's very smart She's very what, smart. Uh, already. What kind of dog is she? She seems to be. Uh, we know that she's some kind of shepherd Saint Bernard mix. She her well, face looks like a German shepherd, but I think she's going to end up being like super big. She's going to be an yeah. So by little farm dog, dog, you mean what's that? Basically, the size of a human. Yeah, it'll, she hundred pounds. She'll be big. Yeah. That's what the vet suggested. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe she gets more more German shepherd than than Saint Bernard. Who, but yeah, who is the driving? spouse in this decision was it you or was it was it olivia like who who said we need to get a puppy i mean i think liv would probably be would probably just be a little bit more of the driving person but the together we both really wanted it that the big trouble has always been what do we do with the rabbits because we want an animal that's going to be safe with the rabbits and i people for some reason feel like it's a totally appropriate thing to do to always tell me the stories of how their dogs like killed and murdered their (laughs) rabbits and so It's Can like, we call it murder? Can we call it murder? You're right. They, they <laughs> depend. Yeah. So for some dogs, yes, probably. But uh, for most, it's, you know, accidental murder. Well, uh, I'm manslaughter. Sure it's bun it's slaughter. It's hey, man, they're just trying to find proximity with you guys. They're trying to connect. 
and share yeah. their like, like terriers animal horror were stories. Bred to yeah, like bred to hunt rats, rats, yes. right? And yes. right. That's so you I wouldn't think. be adopting a terrier, exactly. Right. So <laughs> our thinking was, let's get a a like a herding dog, like something that a shepherd dog, something that works with animals and can learn. This is my flock. I protect this flock, and then also. Oh. Um, we'll get a puppy which normally we would totally be down to adopt like a an elderly pit bull i mean any some like the least adoptable animal we would want to get but we wanted to be able to have the long like formative years to train this puppy uh and be really really careful so so you do, do you know do you guys know like what's the plan to get this dog familiar with bunnies so right now we've got we have a little uh i guess it's i don't know like a little fence up between the bunny's room and the living room and the dog is in the living room and uh, the bunnies will, they'll interact through the fence and Rue mm-hmm. doesn't care whatsoever. She'll walk right up and Cleo will be barking at her and like wanting to play. And Rue's just like looking at her, like, what are you doing in my room? Like that's it. <laughs> and Humphrey is, is in like a living hell right now. Cause he's, he's like <laughs> terrified constantly <laughs> thumping and hiding under things, but he'll come around. Cause he, Oh no. Rue influences him a lot. So yeah. Anyway, but um, well, Maren's, so Maren's a- got no love lost for Humphrey, man. Oh yeah. He, he bit the, your vein, the great right? bite incident <laughs> he of bit your Christmas. Vein. <laughs> Was it Christmas or new year's? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Forever um, marked. Anyway. So we've, we've, like, I know there's a lot of classic things that you teach dogs, sit, stay, come, whatever, all those yeah. things We're we've invented something to teach Cleo and it's, it's the command gentle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we say gentle, gentle, like to kind of get her to not bark and to, to get, to get used to the idea that we're really happy when she's chilled out with the bunnies. And so yeah. we're kind of trying to do some behavior modification there and get her to, so anyway, we've had a couple of moments where we've let the bunnies come into the living room with Cleo while we hold her and they'll come, Rue just comes right up and like sniffs her. And <laughs> at one point she, Cleo kind of got a little excited and lunged a little bit towards Rue and Rue like lunged up and bopped her in the head like bunnies do this thing <laughs> called boxing they let she like it's like getting punched with cotton balls so i can't yeah. imagine it's that <laughs> traumatic but um and p- poor cleo was like very taken aback and i was like oh cleo just wait till humphrey yeah. bites you like yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be scared of these kids soon but anyway yeah so All are you gonna say, have to do the same thing with the chickens like you, you have to like or do, is it just like we're going to keep them separate forever? The chickens will probably stay separate because they're kind of already in their little protected area and they're not happy about the dog at all. Like yeah. they were so scared when when Cleo came out. It was really funny. Yeah. Unless you got unless you got to bring a chicken in the house to do rehab. True. In which case, we'll probably just keep Cleo at, at a distance. Yeah. But but if, right. if and when we get well, like hey. goats and horses and stuff, Cleo will be friends with them. That's this is awesome. Plan. My kids will love it. So thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Thank you for there getting were, a puppy. There were audible oohs and ahs when you showed the picture of Cleo yeah. at, dur- during service, she's, including she's my cute. family, every single person in my family. <laughs> ah. Oh, well, <laughs> Jen, do you guys have a dog? Do you have a family pet? No, we have a no. fish. We accidentally have some snails. It's accidentally. A, accidentally. Yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> Did you leave something out? Did you leave a, a meatball yeah. under your couch or something? Yeah, is this like a bed bug story? What is happening? Slowly. So my son, Jonah, who's six, is all boy. And he, we live in the woods and oh. by a lake. And he'll come in with the most random little creatures and show me like a treasure. He'll open his fist and it's like, mom, look. And so one time he brought in a snail and we have a little apple tree. That's a long story too, but it's in a little potted plant. And I was like, you know what? There's some soil. We can let him hang out there. And it's kind of turned into a household pet. It's still there. It won't leave. It just hangs out. We feed him lettuce. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, Wait, do snails eat lettuce? I thought they just ate like no, nope. looked it up, looked it up, and they eat lettuce, and it's amazing. You put, a, I like put out like a little romaine yeah. leaf, and then there are all these little chomp bar, like pieces and parts. <laughs> well, that just lasts him his entire the, life. The craziest thing, though, is he came home with another snail. He's like, it's a friend. You oh, guys? we got another one. I have like three generations of baby snails now. <laughs> oh my in gosh. This wow. It wasn't a friend. It was a girlfriend. It was yeah. a Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I guess I've never even thought about how snails. No, you don't have need baby to. snails. You don't need to now. That's okay. Well, Tyler, when a daddy snail <laughs> loves a mommy snail very much. <laughs> 
couldn't get married. Yeah, I never thought about baby snails before, but yeah. Oh, oh it's crazy. It's it's turning into a situation I will need to address sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Romaine's not cheap. Yes. <laughs> Mary, what's up with you? What's going on? What's happening? Oh, I'm catching my breath. I am. I I had a whirlwind trip to North Carolina this week. Oh, yeah. My sister moved. So I I tried to cram a week's worth of work into two days and then left with my sister and her three little ones Wednesday morning, drove them to North Carolina. I spent Thursday and Friday unpacking with my sister mm. um, and felt good. Like, She's she's doing really well. She doesn't have any more boxes to unpack. And we even she's pregnant. So we built the crib for the baby that's due in December. So she's good. Oh, my goodness. She is ahead of the game. I'm happy I was able to help her. So you helped unpack. I know a lot of people are like, don't touch my stuff. So that was hard. Like people have offered to help me unpack. Yeah. But it's kind of they don't know how you want even like your utensil drawer organized. How do you you help? Um, But my sister. My sister was more than happy, I think, to have the help. She's Good. got the three little ones and she's pregnant. Um, yeah. They moved down there uh, to be in pastoral ministry with my other sister and her husband. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. It was cool to be hanging out with both sisters. But man, was it a fast trip. Yeah. Because you drove. Yeah, I drove there and flew back. Okay. Um, so just yeah. woof, catching my breath. Well, welcome back. Thanks. Yeah. It's good to be back. Um, I've got one story for you guys and then we can move on. Uh, I posted this on social media yesterday, but something happened to me last night where, all right, Milo just turned three in July. And I was talking to Lauren like two weeks ago. I was like, man, I feel like he's having like a breakthrough of conversation. Like he's able to like talk to me like an adult now to, to just, it's just different from like baby combo to what he's, he's actually doing sharing now. ideas with you. Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so last night, I put him to bed every night. Last night, it was late, so I, it, it was dark. Usually it's a little light so we can read a book or whatever. But last night it's dark, so I, I lay in his bed with him and he grabs my face and he goes, Dad, you are incredible. Like big <laughs> eyes, like you are incredible. And I was like, oh, oh thanks, buddy. <laughs> like I, I was like tearing. I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's a big word up. for a three-year-old. Yeah. You incredible. are incredible. Like super serious, not joking, whatever. <laughs> and then I said, thanks, buddy. Thank you. You're incredible too. And he goes, I just tooted quiet. <laughs> With the same level of like seriousness and intensity. intention. Yeah. He's like, I just tooted quiet. okay and that's like the that's like the perfect picture of what he is right now like the three-year-old like in a moment can be like i want to snuggle and then the next moment he says i tooted quiet and everybody's losing their minds but hilarious yeah i thought i'd share that (laughs) oh man so funny all right guys jen you're here for i already explained why you're here you're here to uh kind of talk to us a little bit about who you are Um, Mm -hmm. if you, if for friends of the pod who did not watch the sermon this past weekend or hasn't, haven't gotten to see it yet, uh, you were in a, you were in a video and we're Mm -hmm. in week, oh no, five, four. I should know this because I just hosted the service. All right. We're in week four of our uh, hope. Jen knows it. We're in week four of our hope month series called never alone. And, um, this weekend we were focusing on proximity, um, and the whole month we're talking about what does it mean to be a Christian and heal bro- the broken place of isolation and loneliness. Loneliness, And so Jen, your story kind of spoke to that, but for anybody who, who maybe hasn't uh, seen it yet, can you just kind of give us like a, a snapshot? Tell us who you are, um, how long you've been a part of grace and um, yeah, let's start there. Okay, sure. So again, my name is Jen McBurney and I grew up in Illinois, like Northern Illinois. So I'm not going back that far, but just like Chicago. Context. Whoa. Whoa. I know. Uh, Rockford, Rockford, Illinois. Oh yeah. yeah. My mother-in-law's from there. Oh my. Okay. Have we talked about this? That's crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Rules. Yeah. So Rockford, Illinois and born and raised there, went to school in Illinois and then moved to the Indy area December of 2012. 
So didn't really start officially coming to Grace until 2012, but had family in the area that I would visit regularly, like every summer. So I actually started going to Grace when I was seven years old. So watch Dave Rod preach for 23 years. Wow. I did not know that. That's incredible. Holy cow. Yeah. So what was kind of comforting is once I moved here, I was like, well, I have a church. I, you know, it was like going home. It was a home away from home. So yeah. yeah, Wow. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Great. So Um, yeah, go ahead started going to Grace. So yeah, real, 2012 was a big year for me because I started a new job, graduated from college early. And then I met my ex in August of 2012. Mm. Okay. okay so gotcha. like eight months later. Yeah. And then we were fast forward because you asked for a summary. We were mm-hmm. married December of 2013. Okay. So and almost a year ish, a little after a year. year and a half. Yep. So about two weeks in, um, it, it it just anger came out of nowhere. Uh, two and weeks it, into your marriage? Two weeks into my marriage. Yes. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yes. Out of nowhere. Like I saw zero anger before. So a little more context to my situation. It was very much like a wolf in sheep's clothing. So we did premarital at Grace. Chris Shore married us. Like we mm. followed all the steps and it, he checked all the boxes and everyone approved. Like this was happening and would pray in the middle of problem solving. Like I did not see a trace of anger or a temper. And so then two weeks in, that was really surprising to me. And as far as my timeline goes, that's when, that's when things started to change. And then fast forward, I turned into an extremely abusive marriage and relationship that was not present at all during the dating time or the engagement. So That itself was a huge shock because it's not like I knew what I was signing up for, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah, And my lawyer actually was like, you know, this could have been a case for annulment because it was like Mm -hmm. 10 months when I filed for separation. And there was so much misrepresentation and lying Mm -hmm. that she said, legally, this could be annulled because the the marriage was null and void. Like none of this is not what you signed up for at all. Mm -hmm. None of these facts were clear the day of the wedding, you know, but I had my son Jonah and she said, no, now that you've had a child since being married, no, you can't annulment's not possible because that would be saying that that life is null and void. And it's definitely not. So, Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the summary is was in an abusive relationship and mm-hmm. left about 10 months later. Well, filed for separation, went home for about six weeks to kind of restore and refill and find myself again. So I was really, really broken. And then after that six weeks came back to Indiana, was like ready to restart and then officially filed for divorce in that January. So mm-hmm. I believe that was 2015. So the whole the whole relationship probably lasted almost a little over a year, right? Uh, I think a year and a half. December of thirteen to January of fifteen, technically, yeah. Yeah. But it was yeah, short. Yeah. Um, So thanks for sharing that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And as as we as we begin to talk about proximity and isolation, I really wanted to hear from you, like in the middle of some of your darkest moments or some of the, the, the times that you felt the most alone, like what, what do you, what did you think about God? Like where, what did you, did you feel like he had abandoned you somehow? Did you feel like he was, did you sense his closeness? Like what, what, what were you thinking about during that time? If you can remember. Yeah, absolutely. I actually still have the journal that I kept and that is a trippy experience to go back and read yeah, through. Mm. What is interesting is that I never once questioned his goodness and I never once was mad at him. Mm. I, when I read through that journal, you, it's heartbreaking because in that deepest of valley that I've ever experienced, you hear me literally crying out to him, begging him to save me. So Mm. it's a journal full of, I guess, lament, but also desperation. Like Mm -hmm. I was desperate for him to save me. And I, I, I did, there are a couple journal, like written out prayers where I say, I, is this really my story? Mm. Is this really what you had in mind for me? So I guess mm. a questioning a little bit, but I just, 
I just counted on the fact that his faithfulness and his provision would see me through. Mm. So I was just praying constantly that that day would come, that that day would be tomorrow and that day or that night, you know, so it was prayers of desperation and crying out. And I, you know, tear stains on the pages where it's rippled, but yeah, yeah, I, I never lost my love for him. I was not angry with him. I was just crying out to him. Yeah. Jen, in the, in the video, you, you talk about, you know, starting with your parents and then Mm -hmm. moving on to several other people at grace. And uh, there were people who came alongside you and walked with you through that time. But before Mm -hmm. that happened, Mm -hmm. I mean, did you have anyone to talk about this with, or were you just completely in your own head? Yeah, it was such a slow and steady process. I was not aware that it was abuse until a few weeks after I filed for separation, Mm. which is crazy to think about. I just thought you were a wolf in sheep's clothing. You got really angry, but we're married. So I'm just going to start thank you note Tuesday and I'm going to, we're going to go to counseling and we're going to just get through this because this cannot end in divorce. And so tried to grin and bear it for a while, but no, I I just thought that was a private matter. We were having some marital struggles. I mean, I, I shared in that with him and just wanted to fix it and just get better and just start living a good life now, you know? Yeah. So no, it wasn't until after I was back in Illinois kind of healing over those six weeks that my uncle reached out, who's a pastor and said, Hey, your parents shared a little bit of what you're going through. And I don't think this is just a fight in marriage. I don't think this is just stressful times being someone newly married and having a new baby. Check out this article of the definition of abuse. Hmm. And I read it and it was like 10 bullet points. And it said, if, if you resonate with any one of these, then you were most likely in an abusive relationship. But that was the punchline after I'd gone through and highlighted like eight of them. So eight out of the 10 I was resonating with, I was experiencing and living with, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea. So that was a really sobering moment that provided me some clarity of like, what? I'm not in an abusive relationship. It's just this, this, and this, and this. And I just excused it. So after digging in, I actually called that hotline that, you know, domestic abuse national Mm. hotline and they i cannot say enough about how extremely helpful they were because they are experts Mm. and they talked to me about like is have you experienced this okay where are you now are you safe and what is your game plan can you ask him to do this and so they were like a coach and so they they came around me and they were extremely helpful as i started to pivot and started to open my eyes to what was Mm. happening um, not necessarily a Christian tie there, but they're experts in the, yeah. in the category of abuse. And mm-hmm. then actually Grace connected me with a list of Christian counselors and I found one of them and she's still my counselor to this day, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Such a gift. Cause she walked with me through that pain, you know, the past, yeah. the present, and now the future, you know, the beginning, middle and end. So absolutely huge resources that also helped bring me out of isolation into healing. And then, yeah, that, uh, on that back end of when I, then I came back to Indiana, all the grace family that came up and wow. showed up was huge. Yeah. I want to talk about that because, um, all I could think about when you were sharing your story was how grateful I am for the people of grace to just, mm-hmm. um, do what they did with you and for you and all that stuff, because not everybody who's in, and you, you alluded to it a little bit ago when you said this cannot end in divorce. Mm -hmm. There's like something about the Christian culture where it's like, it's like super shameful and, 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 in the world of like me too and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like super shameful, um, to come forward for, and I, I don't understand, I don't understand it cause I've not experienced it, but there's, there's a, there's a element of shame or guilt or something, especially in the Christian culture where it's mm-hmm. like, this should have worked differently. Like, mm-hmm. you know, th- this should have worked. And so I'm thankful for the grace community that came around you and said, mm-hmm. you are one of us and we're going to take care of you. Um, because, yeah. um, the reason I live in Indianapolis is because that did not happen with my parents. Like my parents supported 20, 30 years ago, uh, uh, some friends who were going through a divorce and the, the church was basically like, well, if you do that, you gotta, you, you gotta go. 
you can't, oh like, we gosh. don't support it. So, so, they, so they kicked your parents out for helping yeah. the couple. Well, yeah. I think they ended up deciding to leave, but oh, gotcha. yeah. Um, so I, I was super thankful to hear that that's not what your experience was at Grace. Yeah. Having, having said that, I wanted to hear from you, like, um, was it, was it, cause Barry talked about, here's what you do to reach someone who's lonely. Here's, here's what you do if you are lonely. Mm-hmm. Was it in your experience? Was it, um, was it you reaching out to those people to say, I, I need help. I need, I need some people or cause you, I assume you already had relationships with some of them mm-hmm. or was it them saying, we know what's going on and we're going to do this, which, which, or maybe it was a mixture of both. No, I think it was the latter. And I just want to go back and say, I'm, if you're grateful, imagine how grateful yeah. I am like, yeah. I'm <laughs> today because of those people. So yeah. yeah, I echo that 100%. And I also want to say, I, ugh, I, I hate that that happened for your parents. I was told that I had zero right to file for divorce because there was no adultery in the marriage. Yeah, that's, see, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's this thing that, yeah. that mm-hmm. we get stuck on. And other believers came over with a Bible and told me, I'm going to lose my ranking in heaven because mm-hmm. this is planned sin. And yeah. then if I commit this sin, there goes my hierarchy basically in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I, God could have had really cool things for me on the other side of eternity, but now I'm, risking that because I'm getting out of this unsafe relationship. And that if I were to ever get remarried again, I would be an an adulteress and they would not support that marriage. I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't have enough like biblical authority to speak on what that kind of stuff says Mm -hmm. or means or whatever. But all I could think about was how grateful I was that that was not your experience here. Yes. Yeah, in know. my church where yeah. it, it could have been in many other mm-hmm. churches, it, it possibly is. So yes, yeah. I just want to echo that, that I'm beyond grateful that when the, I was receiving that in my ear, I also had people actually yes. taking action yeah. and it helping sounds me. sounds like you had other voices. Your parents yes. were not of that camp exactly. saying, that's it. You just lost your place in heaven. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And too many people who go through, and I want to talk, I want to ask you a question about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, too many people who go through this situation and they have an experience like that where it's you're losing your place in heaven or whatever my parents went through mm-hmm. i mean they they get to the point where like all right well i'm done i'm done with the church like right. i'm i'm done with right. christians yeah. and mm-hmm. i'm grateful that you didn't do that too yeah. you know like because if yeah. you had those experiences my goodness under under the circumstances that you were already in mm-hmm. like it would have been very easy for you to walk away lose hope and walk away yeah yeah that's what Um, was crazy is i had such peace because i i felt forgiven and free i was finding forgiveness in god's redemption that he was going to actually use this horrible thing for good and bring beauty from ashes and that's why i'm so grateful to be here today because we can talk about this later but i think that your passion and your purpose in life comes from pain yeah it's Mm -hmm. when your talents converge with your trials and so i'm like i now have this like sense of a duty that i have such a heart my purpose now is to share for the benefit of the other so that god can bring healing and hope to others to either encourage those people to reach out or to encourage those that are suffering to find help like like barry like you just talked about in your sermon so yeah yeah this is an important conversation for me i i had the pleasure of hosting online services this past weekend. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you, I don't know if you attended Fishers or if you watched online or mm-hmm. what, but yeah. um, every single service, whether it was on Facebook or on our chat on the website, every single service, there were people, not just one person, but there were people saying, she's telling my story. Wow. She is, she is, she is describing my story and a thank you for your bravery is what they kept saying. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Jen for her bravery, but also thanks to grace church for, for, um, putting a spotlight on, on the, this redemption and how through like how people can be redeemed through stories like this. And so do you see yourself and I, you may have just answered it, but do you see yourself now, uh, as someone who kind of had a, has a ministry to, to, to other people through your own testimony? Yeah, absolutely. I hope that's what it turns into even more that people feel brave enough to reach out to me so that I can share even more of my experience and try to 
offer whatever hope and pointing back to Jesus that I can. So, yeah, I mean, this is my passion now. Like once you've lived through this and you made it on the other side, it's like I have no choice but to let God share through me. I'm just a vessel and I'm just sharing the story now for the benefit of others. So 100%. I'm curious if you have maybe a keen eye or a deeper uh, sensitivity to be able to recognize isolation around you Mm -hmm. because of what you've lived through and what you've gone through. Like you tell your story and your story is bringing hope um, to everybody who hears your story. But I wonder if just when you're at church or when you're out and about or when you're on your job, if you can, if you can recognize these symptoms of isolation in other people, almost the way you said it was a slow process Mm -hmm. for you to even realize you were in a terrible situation, but it sounds like maybe your parents saw it even before you did. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes when you're lost in that dark place, you just, you can't even see your way out or you don't even realize how, how bad it is. And other people kind of step in and speak truth into your life. So do you feel like you have a deeper sensitivity for other people and are able to recognize isolation when you see it? Yes and no. It would make sense for me to say, yes, I do. (laughs) But what's what's so crazy is as you're talking, I'm like, but I am a three and I'm a perfectionist. And when I showed up at Grace on those weekends after crying the whole way there and the whole night before and whatever, I turned down a smile and I showed up at church and had small talk in the lobby and no one knew. Yeah. What yeah. I was going through. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm like, part of me is like, mm? it's yeah. really hard to spot because you never know what's happening behind closed doors. And, yes. and the other saving grace of this is my husband, Jacob, has what you're talking about. He mm. has the keen sensitivity. He can spot. We'll have some woman approached me like, a f- well, more than six months ago, back when we were in church and, you know, <laughs> talk to people. <laughs> and, and she wanted How to look long at my do I have baby to wear this and I spent probably 40 minutes with her after a service. And he, when she first approached, she was like, I knew the second she approached you, she's lonely. Wow. And I had no wow. idea, which I wish I could oh. say I knew, but I'm like, I was in my own world and I was talking to people. Shout out to baby. Jacob, man. Jacob is salt of the earth. Jacob rocks. Salt of the earth. Well, like he went through not something as traumatic, but he went through a really dark time of loneliness. Mm. And he has that Marin. And I, what I love is even if I don't, if I'm not as equipped as he is, we're partnered together. And what a cool thing that God would bring us together so that he can spot them and I can go love them. And we can partner together. That's cool. He he may have a keen sense for uh, loneliness and isolation, but um, when, when holidays come around and staff has to serve like Christmas weekends or whatever, Mm -hmm. there was one year, a couple years ago where he was driving the shuttle van from Fishers to across the street, Hamilton Southeastern. Mm -hmm. And it was like staff be there by two 30 to get, to catch the shuttle. And so I'm there at two (laughs) 30 and I look over across the street and I see Jacob getting out of the shuttle and walking into the Fishers building. And I'm like, dude, come come back. You may have a keen sense for isolation, but you don't have a keen sense for where you need to be. <laughs> oh my we all have Tyler. You've been waiting. Tyler. Yeah, I've been holding that one. I've been You've holding that in this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to wait for the podcast when his yeah. wife is on. <laughs> no, he's the best. He, you know, I need Listen, to go golfing with him. He's he the runs best. late. He's, he's, he's not the most Well, he was on time person. that day. But he you was know early what? that day. He's fashionably late, and yeah. you'll be glad once he's there, he'll make up for it. That guy's he a man. Is wonderful. Your husband is yeah. one of yeah, our CG uh, volunteers at the yes. Fisher's campus. Mm-hmm. So he's great. And I've seen him bring the baby like in an yes. interior to rehearsal just to be there. Yes. <laughs> he is dedicated. We love yeah. him. Yes. He's, he's great. <laughs> okay. So um, what would you say? Because obviously, like I said, people say, you know, she's telling my story. What do you say to someone who's wondering um, and the word we're using um, over the over the weekend and here is proximity. So what, what, mm-hmm. what do you say to someone who's wondering how they could get into proximity with someone else who, who is lonely? Like what yeah. what would you say to that to that person? And on the flip side, what do you say to the lonely person? Like what what did you need to hear at that time in your life? Like, mm-hmm. here's how you step out of it. What would you say to those people? 
Okay. So I'm going to start with those who are hurting and those who feel isolated. Um, sometimes you're at such a low point that you don't know how and who and where and what went all, You don't know how to reach out. Um, if they're saying I'm telling their story, I looked into isolation the day that we filmed that video and I Googled, is isolation a sign of abuse? And this mm. article was like, Psh, isolation basically can be used as abuse. Isolation yeah. is abuse. It's a form of abuse. Wow. And so I was like, wait, what? No, what, what, what we're talking about in this context is when you're lonely and when you're marginalized, but I'm like, no way, that's a tactic. Mm, and so yeah. then as I did this deeper dive, I'm scrolling down and it's saying, I have a quote for you. Are, re are you ready? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it says the degree of power and control over the abused is contingent upon the degree of their physical and emotional isolation. So yeah. if you let that sink in, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Everything hinges on how isolated you can be, the severity of isolation. So mm -hmm. if you're not that isolated, that means healthy voices are speaking into your life and it's yeah. going to cast doubt on what you're experiencing and it's going to call a spade a spade. And they're going to say, that's not right. And then you're going to mm -hmm. get out of it. Uh, whatever that yeah. looks like, you're going to either work mm -hmm. through it and go through abuse counseling with them. And there's redemption that can happen there. Life change. Yeah. Totally. But it's like, if you are extremely isolated and they have you on the other side of the spectrum and you're totally alone and now no one's, they've cut off all ties around you. Now their voice becomes law and now mm. they've got you. Yeah. But mm. everything hinges on the level of isolation. So I'm like, oh my goodness, don't fall for that trap. Don't let yourself slip away because I, I don't know if I could have been any more isolated. I think mm. I was at the last step of isolation. So I would yeah. say to those who are experiencing on any level of the spectrum, that type of isolation in the form of abuse or in an abusive relationship, you got to cut that off. Again, mm. you might work it out with the person there. Again, God can do amazing things. They yeah. can heal and find healing and health. But you you cannot let yourself fall subject to isolation. You cannot be under the under the control like that. Yeah. So Yes, say something, reach mm -hmm. out, whether it's not even a friend, but even if you call that, maybe we could put that in the show notes, like the abuse hotline. Hey, that, I host it. Well, well I'll take uh, it. We, we know a guy. <laughs> All right. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, even if that's step one is you find a safe place, you know, down the street in your car and you call that hotline, just tell them what's going on and they will equip you and they will help. Or a Christian counselor, that was huge for me when I felt yeah. like I can't tell anyone in my community what's happening go to those what seem like kind of extreme measures, but go to those professionals who could help you. And then they'll encourage you like, okay, now tell a family member, now tell a friend. But if that seems too scary, just start there. You know, yeah. it's sometimes yeah. it's easier to talk to a stranger over the phone and have yeah. zero filters when you know, you're not going to see them at the grocery store on Monday or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's good. That's a, that's a really good place to start for anyone who is, who might know someone, I, I would encourage you to reach out. I'm sure you knew that was coming. I think Barry said it beautifully in the sermon, like to, to choose proximity and to cross the threshold of feel, fear, they're worth it. And you could be saving mm. them. You have no idea what you are saving them from. And even if, like I said, it's one conversation, hey, how's it going? How's, how's that relationship? How's so-and-so? Like, just ask, just maybe it just starts with a conversation and it doesn't need to be some dramatic intervention, but totally reach out and try to, I even, we could put in the show notes, there are articles of if you suspect that someone in this is an abusive relationship, or in this case, if someone's isolated and any, under any circumstance, um, there are articles out there. So even if you just Google it, but maybe we can link that too of, of yeah. what you should do, because there's so much material and so many resources out there. Yeah, no, that's really good. And we've talked about this, the, the, the problem that I have, and I think a lot of people have is like, we are so like minute by minute in our own lives. Like Marin, you said, I just got back. I'm catching my breath. I got to go to the next thing. Like we're yeah. minute by minute in our own lives that it, 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 it's a task to just stop and notice someone else that's isolated, but it's even like, it's a heftier thing to stop, notice them and then say something. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it's, Hey, that's that 
that sounds really easy, but we are so like f- consumed with what we're doing on a minute to minute basis that that is a really like, that's a challenge. That is a real challenge mm-hmm. to have. Like I was at Jimmy John's this, this today for lunch and the dude giving me my sandwich, I could tell he was like, I felt like he wanted to be best friends. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta go, man. I got a meeting this th- th- freaky fast, like freaky fast. I come here for freaky fast sandwiches. I don't come here to be friends. Uh, and, uh, but so this is once again, this is convicting for me it's because I think that a lot of us like our tunnel vision of what's mm-hmm. going on in our own lives that we miss the, the person that's lonely easily. Yeah. And then even if we notice them, it's, it's, it's like an interruption yeah. somehow to what, talk to them. What if you could pray and ask God to reveal those people to you? I'll what never if, know. What, <laughs> <laughs> what if you could ask him to give you his eyes and to yeah. lay those people on your heart? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yes. would happen yeah. then? Mm-hmm. Well, and Barry, didn't you ask us to think mm-hmm. of one person? Yeah. Just let the Holy Spirit do the talking and let him bring that, that person. I think I get overwhelmed at just the sea of loneliness Mm -hmm. and the vastness of the problem. And we've talked about it before this pandemic ever happened. We talked about the levels of loneliness being at epidemic proportions Mm -hmm. and that overwhelms me. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I let the Holy Spirit guide me and it becomes a, a one-on-one situation or, you know, I don't have to solve the world's problem as it pertains to loneliness, but I can very much have an impact on that one individual's mm. life. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes something I'm less afraid of and something that I feel empowered and equipped to like help bring hope yeah. to just one. That's awesome. Yeah. Barry, you focus most of your sermon on uh, Luke five, yeah. chapter five, 12 through 16. Is that right? Yep. Um, we've kind of talked around it this whole show, but what was kind of the big idea that you needed people to, to, to walk away with? Yeah, I just, I mean, the big idea was that, uh, proximity is a key ingredient in healing isolation. And, uh, I I base that on the story of Jesus healing the leper, as you said in Luke five, um, the thing that I focused on the most in that miracle is not that he healed a leper, but how, um, the fact that he would choose to touch him and the story makes that explicit, but then also goes on to describe that Jesus makes it very clear. Uh, you know, he tells the leper, you got to go to the, you got to go to the, the priest and get all the stuff taken care of, uh, because he was not just interested in healing his body. He was trying to heal his isolation. He was touching him to show everybody this man is now clean. Uh, and, and I, you have dignity, so I'm willing to touch you. I'm willing to be in proximity with you. I'm you're, you know, this leper is always walking around shouting unclean, unclean. Everyone's keeping their distance. And Jesus closed the gap. He walked up to him, touched him. And then, mm-hmm. and then by being, by telling him, you got to go to the priest, he's trying to remove any shadow of doubt that anyone in that community would have about whether this man was truly clean. Um, and, and essentially said, I want you not to just be healed, but to be clean. If you look at what the leper asks, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and Mm -hmm. make me clean. And, Mm. uh, Jesus does both. And so I, to me, the, the, the touch of the, like touching the leper was the, uh, the beautiful, beautiful symbol of what proximity looks like. And then of course I talked about the fact that, well, we're not, really able to touch each other a lot right now. There's not a lot of hugging. There's not a lot of proximity physically. So what does this look like? And I just, I basically um, started reflecting on some of what, what it meant beyond just the physical touching. What did it mean for Jesus to, to get in close proximity? Well, he risked uh, being viewed as unclean by everyone else. Cause normally if you touch someone who's unclean then you become unclean and they can't touch you cause then they become unclean. And so uh, he risked that he risked. Uh, I mean, if it was a contagious skin disease, Jesus risked getting his contagious skin disease. And I know he's the Messiah. So he wasn't going to get sick from this, but uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know how the whole God man thing works. Maybe he could have, I, uh, but, and then he also, and I, I pointed this out, I don't want to make too 
I don't want to put too fine of a point on it, but he basically gave up his work-life balance because this man went off and spread the word of being healed. And suddenly for the rest of his ministry, Jesus is just thronged with people. I mean, Mm -hmm. completely overwhelmed where the only way for him to get any peace and quiet is to go out into the wilderness, which is a scary, dangerous place where you're completely alone. That was the only way he could get any any rest. Um, So all that to say, I, I pointed that out and said, well, what are the things that we're afraid, you know, if we want to, if we're going to get close to somebody, well, what if, what if people think less of us because of that? What if people think that we've caught the weirdness or the unpopularity? Like what if being associated with that person is going to cost us in some way? Or, or what if, you know, what if it is a costly thing to be close to somebody? What if they take our time or our energy or our money or our emotions or like, are we willing to cross that threshold in the same way that Jesus did and actually be close to people that, that maybe cost us. And so that was kind of where I went with it. Um, Hmm. Yeah, that was it. One of my favorite things that you said was when you talked about how Jesus, Jesus wasn't afraid that what the man had would transfer to him. Yes. Instead, he transferred his cleanliness to the man, essentially turning it around. Everyone was keeping their distance. So afraid that they might be affected mm-hmm. by what this man had. But instead, Jesus was able to step into the dangerous situation because he knew yeah. he had influence, yeah. he had power and authority, and he transferred his cleanliness yeah. to them. I, I've, I've watched the sermon twice, and each time I think I shouted out loud. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes. Yes, God. That's cool. Well, that, at the... Uh, at the 11 o'clock service, and I guess it was memorialized on our social media feed, but what I, I basically, at the end, I I was saying, you know, you can, as a representative of, of, of God's spirit, you can do the same. You can also reverse the flow of shame and you can, and, you know, transfer cleanliness to, to other people, essentially. And I was saying, I was saying like, you know, if that's the case, then, then in the touch of the Messiah, you know, reverses the flow of shame, then, then that's what happens when we are in proximity with other people. Mm-hmm. We're shifting that around that we're not catching what they have. They're catching what we have. And what we have is the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I wish more people would get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really do. I, I, I'm flashing back to a time in my high school years where, you know, the old, like turn around and shake somebody's hand thing mm-hmm. that people used to do in churches. <laughs> Pass the peace. Thank God. We don't, old. Really, we don't really do that. We did Grace. that in March 11th, the day <sighs> before COVID hit, we were doing that. Were we really? <laughs> I do remember us wondering. Yeah. Didn't we didn't we say that in like at 146th Street? I think it was like everybody turn around, shake each other's hands. We and do I was that like, all I don't we used know. to do that all the time. <laughs> nobody nobody enjoys I, that. Yeah, oh well, we're right? to people we that, that like every that. Sunday. I I don't know. I don't remember yeah. doing that a whole lot at Grace, yeah. but we used to do that every Sunday when I was a kid. It's like, hey, we gotta get the a kiss, a holy kiss. My Lord. Uh, that's no, like, hey, no, we no, got to no, get the uh, worship team up here. So why don't uh, you turn around and shake someone's hand? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was wearing like the super punk rock leather bracelet with spikes on it. Yes. I, was, I wish you could have known how cool I was. At, like, <laughs> so I'm wearing this bracelet to church and I'm not doing it to be rebellious. This is just like what I liked to wear. And I went to shake the person's hand who was behind me and they threw both hands in the air in, in the middle of the sanctuary, <laughs> refusing to shake my hand oh my because God. I was wearing that bracelet well. and that um, there was evil and anything with three prongs. I mean, this person was <laughs> clearly out to lunch, but refused to shake a 14 year old girl's hand oh my God. because they were offended by her choice of jewelry. Wow. wow. Now, I wish, listeners, I, I wish you could have seen all three of our, our sets of eyebrows uh-huh. like go up immediately when she said that. We're all like, what? Yeah. I just never forget what that felt like. Yeah. And it was it was in public, you know? So it was like, oh, okay, so you're I'm not out. shaking my hand. All right. But like you, Jen, there were other people in my life who weren't like that. Mm-hmm. And so thank goodness, like yeah. the 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 unhealthy side of strange weird theology mm-hmm. wasn't the only thing I heard. Yeah. I thank God that there were other people who were mm-hmm. more than willing to not just shake my hand, but to like love me through every awkward phase mm-hmm. of my teenage years mm-hmm. and love me to this day. Yeah. You know? Amen. But if, if we mm-hmm. knew that we don't have to be 
afraid of moving into dark places because, uh uh-oh, the dark places might affect us. Right. But if we knew that we carry the authority of Christ and the power of his love into those dark places and we influence the places, they don't influence us. Mm -hmm. Right. We influence darkness. Yeah. I wish more people understood that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Me yeah. too. I've been living that this whole week, just with different voices, sharing different theologies and viewpoints. And I'm like, that's mission. <laughs> that's mission work is that you yeah. go to them and spread the love. Yeah. And what I would like to do as your guest is share a quote from Marin Sermon because Whoa. <laughs> I, since hey, we're not taking applications for a host. We're, <laughs> there, we're not taking an applications. I, I'm gunning for Amy Christie's spot. <laughs> <laughs> No, Tyler wouldn't prep me, and I'm a preparer, so I had to watch as many sermons as I could last Jen night. Jen was a little nervous. Jen was a little nervous oh, last man. night. I didn't no. prepare her. Are you ready for this, Marin? Oh my goodness, yeah. you killed it! But because we're talking about light and darkness, let me just remind you of what this woman was preaching. It's like a capital P two weeks ago. <laughs> if you possess that light and I mm-hmm. possess that light and we bring our lights together, we shine so brightly that isolation has nowhere to hide. Loneliness and isolation like to hide in dark places. But when we together bring the love of Jesus into those dark places, we bring healing. What? Come on. Marin. Oh, I wish I can't get no help up in here. Come oh. on. <laughs> Start it, bolded it, put it on the notes. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's what happened when when Grace Church came around me with their little lights and said, we're going to shine light on this dark situation and we're going to bring you into healing. And they did. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And here I am. Remind me once again, did they... Did they give you like thousands of dollars? No. Or did, no, did no, they just quite. watch your son for you? What, to mm-hmm. say that? Go oh. to practice. Yeah, it was, it was the latter, not the former. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, I think sometimes that stops us because we think maybe we don't, we don't possess what it takes to really mm-hmm. help somebody. Yeah. yeah. But the ways that they helped you yeah. was so simple mm. and practical. Mm-hmm. Just watching your son. Yeah. Yeah, or or your your aunt and uncle letting you yeah. live in their basement while you got yourself back together and yeah. you know put your life back together. These were such such humble, simple ways and of changing your life. Yes, and so short term in the scheme of things. Like mm-hmm. it was all in a matter of months, and then all of a sudden, March, I got a job and I got an apartment and I got a mm-hmm. different car, and it's like my yeah. life started again, researched March of fifteen. So it's like. It was, yes, Tyler, tunnel vision. We're all minute by minute. We're selfish creatures. But it's like, man, if we were to pray that God would reveal those people to us and to give us the time and to give us the capacity to go be his hands and feet. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be a very small, short little blip of a sacrifice in this. Well, I, I mean, I think that's that is what I was hoping we would all agree on mm-hmm. is like. I don't, I'm not saying minute by minute's good. I'm saying right. like. Uh, instead of seeing this stuff as an interruption, like mm-hmm. people who watched your son could have seen that as an interruption. Like, yeah, I could watch Netflix by myself tonight or whatever, yeah. whatever they want to do. Yeah. yeah. But instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to care for my friend mm-hmm. and I'm going to hang out with her, her son. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of seeing it, seeing these things as interruptions to our own lives, it's, it's like the self-giving love behavior that we always talk about. It's, it's, um, seeing yeah. these things as opportunities to, to, um, show people that you love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Th- this week, that's a, actually a good transition. I'm not sure if you're ready to start talking about next stuff, but that, that actually is interesting because yeah. this weekend I'm talking, I'm kind of wrapping up the series. Um, it'll be a little different. I'm, I'm kind of meditating on the concept of family, uh, mm-hmm. as, as sort of the final, I guess, cherry on top of what all this really is about. And mm-hmm. just thinking about if we were to really see ourselves as family, how would that change our behavior? Uh, you know, talking about the fact that every family is different. There are different characteristics that make up a family. So what's, what are the characteristics that make up our family? Uh, you know, 
every member of a family has different gifts. Jen, what you just said about, you know, you and Jacob having different, uh, mm-hmm. different gifts, different perspective. Like when those mm-hmm. things are used in harmony, it allows the family to be greater than the sum of their parts. And mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to talk yeah. about that. All that to say, um, it's, it's a different thing to think, what, what would I do for my family? Uh, you know, I would do so much for them. If they needed my help, I'd step in immediately. So why, so what would change if I started seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ as family, you know, and not just as, uh, I don't know, club members with me, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, that, that'll be kind of where, where we're going next week. So, uh, it, it all kind of fits together in my mind. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I've gotten a few emails last week. I talked about the guy whose yard I hit the golf ball in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've gotten a few emails about that. Was he a friend of the pod? Does, does that guy attend Grace Church? No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, I remember you, buddy. People, people mostly saying like, oh, I've been there. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've thought about him ever since the incident. And I'm like, man, what if I thought, what if I, in po- the question you just posed, like, what if I had thought of him as a family member? How would I have <laughs> chosen to respond to him? Uh, it would have been a little bit different. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen, yeah, you knocked it out of the park. You don't oh. need to prepare for these things. Oh, thank, you. Great. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've got a podcast, right? I want to, I want to plug your, plug your deal right now. Sure. Um, yeah. You've got a podcast of your own yeah. friends of the pod. Yeah. Sh- we share, we, fr- we share friends. Good if you want to go listen to Jen, <laughs> we're all family here. Tell us a little right. bit about that. What is, uh, what is your podcast about and how do people find it? Yeah. Okay. So if you search, I am mother of the year, it is the, I am mother of the year podcast. So Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can't miss yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And basically it's very tongue in cheek. We are not claiming to be the mothers of the year, but I co-host with Lisa Graft who started this movement and it's just um, a movement to help encourage and equip moms to move from isolation and mm-hmm. fear and comparison and chaos to peace and freedom and joy on the other side. And so it's taking the moments of motherhood, both good and bad and talking about it and being real and relatable and raw and just being super honest, maybe a little TMI sometimes. And then we offer the hope and the love of God at the end. And we tie it all together about where our hope is. So it's a cool. Christian podcast. It's mainly aimed for moms, but we have a Patreon gift where we have a man of the year box. They can get a cool coffee mug and some coffee and stuff. So <laughs> Jacob McBurney. That's right. Man of the year. When Christmas yes. comes back around and he's driving the shuttle, well, let's wait for voting. Until <laughs> her, okay? Tyler's tapping his toe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know about man of the year. Mm-hmm. So not so fast. Jacob. <laughs> cool. Um, so we're going, we're wrapping up the series next week, huh, Barry? That is correct. Last week of the series. And then after that, what are we, what are we doing? Are we, what kind of shoots? What are we doing? Oh, I know Uh, what we're doing. Uh, Yeah. It's been a bit of a blur these last few uh, days. Um, The the next series is going to be kind of an interesting series about turning points, uh, points in our life when things just change. Uh, We're going to talk about parenting adult children and uh, caring for elderly parents. And when, you know, you hit rock bottom uh, when, when you get married, like we'll talk about these different kind of major turning points, just what does scripture have to say? It's all from, uh, the book of Ephesians. And we'll look at kind of what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus and, or in the, the region, obviously, since Ephesus was a circular letter. You don't need to tell us. Yeah. Can you put in anyway. a Tim Ayers clip there, Tyler? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's get it. Gird your loins. There we go. <laughs> Don't know what it was, but it was, it was a good one. Good. Uh, anyway, so that's what we're talking about after after this weekend. We'll get into that. Cool. So, yeah. Hey, um, I don't know if any of you guys were there. I'm, I'm assuming, Marin, you were at the party in the parking lot last week. I was in North Carolina. Oh, you were not there. Jed, was anybody there? Jed was, and both kids were, and I've heard nothing but good things. Great. So a lot of people were, if we, if we weren't, a lot of people were, there were like three or 400 people there. Yeah. Um, so it was a hit. And this weekend we're doing something similar at the 146th street campus, except we're doing this thing called encore where Amy Christie and, and company, um, are 
what are they, what are they, what's the word they're using? We're, we're they're calling it, re, um, re something. Oh, I know I should know. Cause I'm reprising. in it. Uh, reprising. We are reprising. <laughs> there it is. Songs. The, the name of the night is encore. Encore. They're calling it an encore. Now. Yeah. We're reprising songs, uh, from shows that we've done in the past. And uh, a lot of people oh, not, are coming to that too. Not just songs, Tyler. Ooh, what? Dances. Dances. <gasps> dances. Marin, are you dancing? I'm, I'm saying this because I thought I was signing up for songs. Oh no! Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can do the songs, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when you it's said earlier, when you said I'm catching my breath. Oh you my meant goodness, literally dancing. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> it's a lot of Seriously. cardio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's All right. So be that's fun, Friday. Though. So if you want to see Marin <laughs> dance from Mary Poppins. And sing. Uh, we're, we're bringing people back from former show or shows we did in the past to, to redo it. And I think there's like 700 people that have signed up to show to come to this. So wow. there's still, wow. there's still time to, to sign up and just let us know you're coming. Uh, it'll be outside. So it's properly socially distanced, but do that. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you there. Uh, Marin, will you please send us out into the rest of the week? And we'll wrap <laughs> sure. it up there. Okay. <laughs> Do justly love mercy and walk humbly with I'm your so God. <laughs> Just, okay. We'll see you on the other side of Sunday. <laughs> <laughs>